The broadcast is now starting. All attendees are in listen-only mode. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for our first episode of the Mobile Transformation Webinar and Podcast Series. And today, we're going to talk about optimizing web and app strategies to achieve a higher ROI with a very, very special guest, Amanda from The Knot. Uh, and we're going to ask her a few questions about how they transform their mobile strategy. So uh, please join me in welcoming Amanda. Welcome, Amanda. We're so excited to have you. Thank you for having me. So a few housekeeping. Uh, we are going to be recording the audio and send it after. If you have any questions, just type them in the questions part of our webinar, and I will ask Amanda some of your questions at the end. Um, and there will be a brief survey um, after the webinar um, about your experience. Cool. And uh, our episode two will be coming up uh, you know, in about a month. So here's the RSVP link if you're interested. But we'll also send you more information about it when we get closer to the date. So I'm Mada. I'm one of the co-founders of Branch, and I lead marketing here as well. Uh, and uh, I'll let Amanda introduce herself. Amanda is the VP of Consumer and Product Marketing of Donat. Amanda, tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah, so uh, I'm excited to be here. We love Branch, obviously. Um, but one of the things that I'm excited to talk to you guys about is um, how product and marketing really come together and really improve your ROI uh, when you're thinking about mobile to native app conversions. And so I lead all of marketing at The Knot. And we kind of think about it in those two verticals that you see in my, in my title, consumer and product marketing. So consumers really thinking about the awareness of your brand and your app and the acquisition funnel. And then you go into product marketing, which is actually the retention and engagement metrics, making sure that the users that you acquired are actually understanding the value props of your of your product. So we think about it in those two ways, but we think about it holistically. So that way we communicate um, all the value props throughout your owned, earned, and paid marketing channels. Awesome. Exciting to have you. So uh, I'm going to give you a short overview of the agenda. We're going to have a mobile growth discussion. Uh, I have a few questions for Amanda. And then we are going to go into a live Q&A. So as you listen, uh, please come up with your own questions uh, and ask them uh, in the Q&A section. Okay. So just before we go into, um, into asking the questions, just giving you a brief overview of Branch. We are a linking and growth platform helping unify experience and measurement. So we help brands like The Knot uh, give their users a better experience that always takes users to the right place, uh, whether in mobile web and in app. And then we give a unified uh, understanding of where those users come from uh, and how they're engaging across web and app together. So let's get started. Top consideration for right. mobile success. So Amanda, The Knot is the world's number one wedding brand and online marketplace for couples and wedding professionals. And you guys have like a really awesome world-class native app. I'm really curious to hear when you and your team first set out to take on this mobile initiative. What were the top considerations? What were you looking to achieve? How did you get into mobile, basically? Yeah, so for background, 
We were the first wedding planning brand to launch a mobile app back in 2009. It was called Wedding 911 by The Knot. It was really a community-based app where brides could give and ask wedding planning advice anytime, anywhere. And remember for context, Facebook was just a few years old at this time, mm -hmm. so the idea of community was still pretty novel. And then between 2009 and 2016, we launched a series of apps to help with different parts of the planning process. So things like finding your dress, managing your guests, and then your main planning tools like your budgeter, your checklist, et cetera. So we've technically had the number one planning app for iOS for the last five to six years, but we didn't really start getting serious about the mobile initiative until early 2016, which doesn't seem that long ago. So in 2016, we recognized that if you're if you're really getting started on this wedding planning journey, you're gonna have thousands of decisions. And the best way for you to experience everything TK has to offer is via one native mobile app. Mm. And we are a 21-year-old.com company, so we wanted to create a winning formula for native, just as we had done on web for so many years. So to go back to your original question about what our top considerations were and what we wanted to achieve, it was all about mobile users. And so when we got serious about this in 2016, we actually dove deeper, deeper into the behavior of our iOS app users and saw that they were joining earlier in their planning process. They were staying longer throughout their journey, converting at higher rates to our, our local and guest initiatives and giving us insanely high NPS scores. So in short, we learned that app users are truly our best users. So over the course of the next two years following, we grew the number of people working on our native apps at EXO by 400%. Wow. And we also changed our marketing lens to be mobile first imagery, always showing our app store icons, et cetera. So this focus actually resulted in nearly doubling the number of app installs, increasing our retention and increasing conversion. That's, a, that's incredible. You guys can really... You're really almost like a poster child for a slightly older company that really reinvented themselves and really kind of dominated your space in mobile. It's it's actually really impressive. It sounds a lot easier when you say it in a <laughs> succinct way, but <laughs> it's yeah, been yeah, a, a great journey. <laughs> so um, you know, we say at Branch that the mobile growth starts the mobile the app the moment the app is live. Uh, tell us a little bit about how your team approached user acquisition. For example, what were the channels that play a critical part in your acquisition strategy? What were some tools used for acquisition and discovery? And how did you prioritize these different channels for mobile acquisition? Yeah, so the benefit of having a 20-year-old brand, or I guess I should say 15-year-old, when we launched the app is um, that you already have traffic, you have built up brand equity, you have some SEO power. So the challenge is then kind of repositioning yourself in the market to be an app. Uh, we have people that really think about us as a media company, that we have magazines, that we have advice, et cetera. So we, we really have to think about brand repositioning and communicating the value add that comes from downloading our app. So the other thing you have to keep in mind with the knot is that our users have an average 14-month planning journey with us. So then we have to reacquire the next wave of couples getting yeah. married. So our addressable audience at any time is usually around 1.8 million couples every year. So our team approaches user acquisition in a few ways, and I, I think I'll talk about three of them. So mobile web conversion 
ASO and cross-platform conversion. So we'll talk through kind of those cool. three. So first, converting our mobile web traffic back to the app usage is our top acquisition and engagement channel. For better or for worse, users are just conditioned to go to Google to ask a question. We all know this, it's, but it's our job to remind them that those answers and many other useful features are actually waiting in the app. So I'll give you two examples of this. For First, you can ask Google for good florists in your area. And when the knot shows up first in Google results, you're led to our mobile web marketplace. Well, we wanna aggressively get you into the app because of two reasons. One, we have a vendor management tool that allows you to save and compare your different vendors that you're looking at. And two, you'll get notified immediately when you get a message from your prospect in the TK app. So it's really important and it's just a better user experience and meets your jobs to be done when you're in the app. Another example would be like reading a piece of content, right? You ask Google a question about anything wedding planning related and chances are there is an action behind that question. And so we want your inspiration or planning mode to actually lead to the action um, and that's going to happen much more seamlessly in the app. So I guess hashtag not an ad, but <laughs> Branch has been immensely helpful in getting our mobile web users back into the app at a rate that we just couldn't and weren't doing before. So that's that's kind of the first acquisition tactic. Um, the next two approaches, the ways we approach acquisition are through ASO or app store optimization and then cross-platform marketing. So a few things to keep in mind with ASO, which I think could probably just be a webinar topic in and of itself. Um, so I'll just touch on three things quickly. Keyword strategy. That basically means having the right keywords in the right places. And that goes pairs nicely with visual strategy. So we spotlight our video assets and having our visuals tell the right story. So with visuals, you need to think about your entire acquisition funnel. For instance, one of our top ASO keywords is countdown. Mm. People love a good countdown. They wanna know when their wedding is taking place, that it's 462 days away. So it's important that we have a screenshot of the dashboard countdown with the awesome confetti that explodes with you and, and make sure that that's featured in our video assets as well. Second, our highest um, volume branch campaign actually is from our mobile web marketplace where you're looking for those local vendors like a florist, DJ, mm -hmm. et cetera. So that's another reason to have strong language and screenshots of our vendor marketplace since that's where a large percentage of potential users are coming to the app store and expecting to see. So it's really important to think about your visual story um, so that way you reflect what the user's needs are. And then third, I would say for ASO, it's reviews and ratings. We closely monitor and respond to all of our, our reviews. And it's always a best practice um, in mobile to ask if they're first enjoying the app. And yeah. if yes, you get them into that review form. If no, it's an immediate trapdoor situation to yep. your customer service. So that way you can gain that feedback, um, respond to their needs, make sure that they feel heard. And also you avoid any non five-star reviews. And then lastly, so that, that's all ASO. Lastly, I will say cross-platform marketing is very important to us from an acquisition channel. We still have a percentage of users that are desktop only. Um, so we constantly are thinking about how we can convert them to app using 
their existing mobile behaviors, like something like looking at social um, or opening emails on mobile. So we're working through how to get our email tracks optimized for mobile conversion, and Branch, again, is going to be super helpful there. And I have a follow-up question on uh, on ASO. Did you guys see any big changes as the as the Apple Store kind of with the new redesign? What, did you see any huge trends and how the changes for for you guys? It, it didn't have any big impact that we saw. Did you Did you guys have any? Uh, we, any... we yeah, it was interesting. We it's just like. I think for smaller brands, and probably this didn't affect you as much, uh, it's yeah. a lot less space for the smaller brands to be featured. Um, so I, I like, we, we've had this question in some of our mobile growth meetups, and I thought I would ask, but it's, 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 I think it's interesting to know that it didn't affect you, so for, it yeah. doesn't make a big difference for the bigger brands. Yeah, well, Apple did just create their new editorial request form, which I'll be interested to see how that affects, like, getting featured and being able to tell your editorial story. I find that with other companies, ourselves included, it is sometimes really hard to get on Apple's radar and get in line with whatever their editorial calendar is. So they did just launch their new editorial um, form that you can submit more frequently, things that you're working on. And um, so I'll be interested to see how that helps other companies get on their radar. Yeah, we met with their developer team and, and, and I think they, they really want to work more with developers. So I, I think it's interesting to see that they're making changes there. Yeah. Cool. So uh, I'll move, we'll move to the next section. Um, achieving uh, mobile success by structuring an effective team. So getting to mobile success is not easy, especially with how teams have been traditionally been structured internally. And we see this a lot when we work with mobile brands. Tell us a little bit about how the not aligned internal mobile resources to make sure the appropriate teams are working together. So this is interestingly timed for the not um, to ask this question because if you'd asked me this question last year, I would have said our app team is actually one unit spanning iOS and Android with one roadmap that's actually distinct slash separate from our web teams, our web desktop teams. So. Our company definitely did have a desktop first strategy and we designed for desktop first, we innovated with desktop first in mind, et cetera. This led to less feature parity and more friction and really harder cross-platform metric tracking. Um, And so as the head of marketing, I also found it difficult to create cohesive marketing campaigns when some features were desktop only. But as we mentioned earlier, our top level goal was driving more mobile awareness and users. So when there wasn't feature parity, that's really hard to do, right? So yeah. to solve for this, we we recently underwent a very large organizational restructuring. So now every product zone has iOS and Android engineering resources. Wow. And we actually had to make the concerted effort to do all mobile first design and product vision work. And it really has been huge step in the right direction for both velocity and jobs to be done parity. I mean, obviously you don't go feature to feature because the way an app user um, navigates your app and, and the things that they wanna be, the user interface, et cetera, but the jobs to be done, that's the way we think about feature parity, is can they still meet that need and the job that they need to execute on? So um, 
that's about our restructuring. But one additional note on team structure and the way we think about this is we've created a concept of what we call the four legs of the stool. And we have a mission that no product strategy or decision is made without ideation or buy-in from the four legs of the stool. So that's the product manager who is ultimately the owner of the product roadmap, but they are not balanced unless they have the other three legs of the stool and mm -hmm. the other three legs being product design, product marketing, and lead engineering. So it's important that you have all the lenses a part of the product roadmap discussions because the product marketers thinking about competitive landscape. What is what would make you differentiated against your competitors? Um, big PRable moments as we ju were just talking about with um, the Apple form, like thinking about Apple's editorial calendar. What what features are they getting yeah. really excited about? So you need to have this like broader ownership of the product roadmap. And I think it's really important. And that's why we created that that four legs of the stool. That's a really interesting, um, I guess, metaphor. I really like it. Without one leg, the whole stool <laughs> can fall. Forward. Yeah, <laughs> not balanced. <laughs> not balanced, I love it. So let's move on to uh, retention and engagement and maybe talk a little bit about your KPIs. What KPIs do you guys use to measure retention and engagement? And how do you ensure users are constantly returning to your app? making sure you don't have basically that leaky bucket where you just acquire users and if you don't get them to engage, um, acquisition is really, yeah. doesn't make as much sense. Yeah, yeah, so we look at it in a few ways. Um, obviously, you look at user acquisition and app downloads as a metric that we kind of monitor for more of the health of the brand. Um, but as we know, users are you know, signing up for multiple things when they're getting married. So we don't use that as like the leading indicator. For us, we actually look at M1 retention as our first like key signal. So during your first month of wedding planning, mm -hmm. users are figuring out what tools and resources they will need. And we need to provide enough value up front and product marketing of that entire journey so we can show them everything that we have to offer. Even though they don't need it right that moment, we need to kind of really give them a taste of all that they're about to experience and how we're going to make their, their life easier. Because really, when you think about our high intent user, they expect wedding planning to be a little stressful, but they hope that the nod is going to make it a lot easier and more seamless. Um, so that's M1 retention. But then we look at two other metrics that are all about engagement. The first is a rolling 30-day metric that we call a monthly active planning user. And this is to say how many people are, are engaging throughout those 30 days at least once with the, with the product. Um, this is to show how healthy or active a set of members is at any time. But then really we want to look at power users. So that's monitoring um, a user across a diverse set of actions that we actually want them to take. And, and use that to kind of do some predictive modeling and say how many, what, what signals will actually drive or indicate that that person's more likely to be a power user. So those are the different ways we think about retention and engagement. Interesting. Um, I love the rolling 30-day metric. That's a really interesting one. And also it's re the, the first month retention is really interesting. It makes a lot of sense, especially as you mentioned before, when you know, you're, you have to acquire new users about every, you know, year, year and a half. Yep, yeah. Interesting. So 
let's talk about marketable moments. Um, finding the right marketable moment uh, is, I think, can be pretty hard, and it obviously differs from brand to brand. How can the PMM team work with the best product team, work the best of the product team to define and launch uh, successful new products? Yeah, so as head of marketing, this question is definitely near and dear to my heart <laughs> because you can iterate on a product for a year and continue to meet the user's needs, um, respond to their requests, drive new features, but a feature release is never as powerful as an aggregated product release. And so that's an important uh, distinction. A feature is not the same as a product. And for product and engineering, this whole idea sometimes can be an uncomfortable one. Um, what I mean by that is committing to a timetable without knowing exactly what your product will look like. Yeah. But it's important to remember that when you package a product release with something like a PR study or the right time in the market based off of what you know about competition, the impact can be tenfold. So. Um, I will say that having a top-down vision is is key here. It's really important, and it may be controversial in many product organizations. So, um, so the way I think about a top-down vision is that it's still going to allow for autonomy because the teams need to figure out how to get there. It's saying that there's a destination in mind and that the team gets to choose which route they want to take to kind of get to that destination, right? So. I'll give you an example. Last year, we said we wanted to create a more interconnected product with something that helped couples the moment they got engaged. We just talked about M1 retention. This is a leading indicator for us that will keep somebody with us for a long time. We needed to create a product that would get them in very early. So we said that it needed to be something around find, finding or articulating their wedding style and starting a, a, a wedding vision. So we created some very horrible PowerPoint wireframes just to help articulate the jobs to be done from the user's perspective. And then we said, listen, we wanna create an MVP that could launch before the big proposal season, which is right around the holidays. Mm -hmm. And we actually created, started using this concept of an MMP <clears throat> and we called it the minimal marketable product. Mm -hmm. So what were the value props or the hooks that we felt like were necessary to get press around this to really build a moat against our competitors and to get to meet a user's need that wasn't being fulfilled by something like a Pinterest or or other competitors. So we called it an MMP and the team then iterated and tested with a small percentage of our audience and so all normal product development lifecycle they ensured product market fit and then on the marketing side we were working in parallel using user testing and the qualitative feedback to create the value props and the go-to-market strategy. And so we organized this in a very large seamless PR slash product launch, which ended up leading to 20% year-over-year growth in acquisition for the entirety wow. of proposal season. That's amazing. Yeah, so I, in summary, I would just challenge um, product and marketing teams to really think about t-shirt sizing, coming up with deadlines, because as a marketer, most times you set your major marketing beats at least four to six months in advance. And that doesn't always um, marry for, you know, pun intended, marry nicely with a pro an iterative product totally. development approach, right? You, you this um, 
we <laughs> right into this challenge. So this is very, very fascinating for me. Yeah, and so we really try to think about true 360 degree campaigns. And what does that mean? It means combining big partnerships, a huge PR um, study. So releasing insights to the media um, and being able to package your product release. Because if you have a great study that's talking about trends, you're gonna get published in lots of outlets. And usually a product launch alone is not going to be able to get picked up by the media. But if you package them together, you can kind of slide in, oh, and you've also got this great product launching. So it's really important that you think about uh, the maximum impact of a product release with the other 360 degrees of your marketing campaign. So you, and ultimately the way I say it is, you want people to use your product. So we need to work together hand in hand to develop the best way to approach that. And I will say I've never met a product manager that said, you know what, I really just don't want anyone to know about this awesome thing that I'm building. So, um, you know, this is all for the greater good of, of acquisition. And so I'd encourage everyone to be open. If you're, if you are a product owner listening right now, I would really encourage you to be open to setting a vision and an MMP or an MVP timetable so that way you can create maximum impact. Awesome. So we talk a lot about best practices, what works when growing in mobile. Is there like one campaign or initiative that the knot has tested that completely backfired? Um, and what's your biggest learning? You know, failures are also a very good learning um, experience for, sure. for our audience. Yeah, so a couple come to mind. So going back to the original question about how we got started with mobile apps, you'll remember I said that we created a series of apps for the dress, for the guest, for planning with the checklist budgeter. So we were splitting out the jobs to be done into separate apps and kind of missing the ultimate job to be done, which was planning a wedding. And so a user shouldn't have to download multiple apps in order to check their budget and then talk to their guests, then go shop for dresses. So 2017 was a huge year for us uh, for what we kind of called like one wedding, one app strategy where we really brought in guest and inspiration into our our flagship planner app. Um, So that was a major strategic shift that I will say we we learned kind of the hard way by launching a couple of different apps. And then another one that kind of comes to mind, it's not necessarily like something that backfire, but it's kind of a good branch PSA for people that are branch users that we learned throughout the process of implementation and testing and optimization. But um, simple is always better. So we tested all of uh, all of these different campaigns. And we were so excited when we got to sit down and, and we had branch live on our computers. We started doing like full page interstitials and, op, you know, changing the background and making it really reflect and have custom messaging about the tool that the user was looking at on that page in the app. And then we tested that against tiny floating buttons that just said open in the app. And we just started to joke that like, we didn't need to be that fancy. Like the user just doesn't wanna have to think. So ultimately all you really want to convey is two things. One, that you have an app. And two, that the current feature that they are looking at is available within it. And so for us, like the floaty buttons tend to do that job best 
while also allowing us to be a little bit more persistent since it's only taking up a tiny bit of the screen. So those are kind of the two that come to mind. Cool. No, that those are very those are both very interesting. So we have uh, a few questions from the audience. So one is, what tools are you using to track user engagement flows and analytics? From Andy. Yeah, great question. So right now we we track all of our segment data into Mixed Panel. So that's where we're setting up our our funnels and. Um, we are using very for A-B testing and optimization to, to actually do cohorts. Um, that's a brand new one that we're still kind of, it's a steep learning curve, but uh, we need to do a, a better job of A-B testing across all of our, our products. Interesting, and then one question that probably is either from a branch user, uh, and they say, when branch help you get more people into your app from web or from Google, can you little, be a little bit more specific of how, how that actually happened? Yeah, so people, when they're planning their wedding, they go to Google to ask a question or to type in um, that they're looking for a photographer or top wedding DJs in the area. And because of our amazing SEO, we are usually coming up first or second in most keyword searches. So when they click on that, they're now in our mobile web experience. And so we have optimized the mobile web experience to have branch banners that tell them, hey, we have an app and sometimes we communicate the value props, other times we keep it very simple and just say, do you wanna open this in the app? And the cool thing is Branch detects if that user already has the app on their phone. So we can change the language to say like, open in app or download app. And that helps get our users um, back in the mindset of, oh yeah, I forgot, like I downloaded this app a little while ago. Let me, let me go in there and now I can kind of fall down the rabbit hole, so to speak, and keep going. Interesting. Cool. Uh, thanks for clarifying that. So I think we're, we are out of time. It's 1030. Thank you so much. This was incredibly insightful. Well, we really appreciate your time. Um, if you have any, for anyone in the audience, we will be sending the recording. And if you have any questions, just send us a note at webinars at branch.io. Also, if you want to be featured in a future mobile transformation webinar uh, or if you have someone that you think we should interview, just let us know. So thank you, Amanda, again. We really enjoyed thank having you. Guys. you. Bye. Great. Bye.